0: Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip answers your questions such as, is Bitcoin a company? Is Bitcoin illegal or should it be? Can anyone create their own currency? Is having a digital wallet risky? How much should I put into Bitcoin? Am I funding terrorists? And I don't have $40,000. How can I buy Bitcoin? Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before for implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now,
1: here's Philip. All right. I'm back with a longer episode, a longer solo episode, back to Retro Ask Philip, where I'm gonna just answer a bunch of questions that I got over the last couple of weeks. Cause as you as you know, I've been talking about Bitcoin for a while and I think people are starting to listen because in one-on-one conversations with clients, I've been on other podcasts and, 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 and internet shows and we've been talking about it. And there's a, you know, people are starting to understand it. And not understanding it from a 2017 just bubble, let me put money in it from because it goes up. It's okay, now I think I understand or I'm wanting to understand the, the fundamental story behind it and why it's might be a good uh, solution for some of society's problems over time, and so I wrote a. B- before I go into it, I want to I want to take a little bit of time out to just talk about this 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 future maker t- contest that AT and T has going on. I'm trying to win some money, and and they have a future maker contest where it's basically somebody who's pursuing their dreams, or giving back to their community, actualizing their gifts, being positive. And, and and it was pretty easy for me to do like a little segment on it because, I mean, that's that's why I started the podcast. The the, the, the goal of the podcast is is twofold, and both are equally important. It's to help me get clients. Right? A lot of people want to know, hey, does this person know what he's talking about? Is he educated? You know, there's some people who want to do it themselves, and those are not my clients. But there's people who don't want to do it themselves, but they want to fully understand so that they're able to be a partner with their advisor versus uh, just being told um, what they should do without any context. And so, so that's one primary reason for the podcast. The second reason for the podcast is is the passion around me loving what I do. I think, and, and, and let, me, let me let me clarify when I say loving what I do, it's to help educate people because that's the part that I love. Back when I was seventeen, the first time I watched CNBC, I didn't understand what was going on, but it opened up my eyes to stocks, bonds, investing, a whole another, just way to think about life and that's when I started my journey. And there's a whole lot of people who n- never get that or may not get that without somebody out there educating them on it. And so the podcast for me is a way to educate, expose people to uh, money, finance, business. I think a big reason for the wealth gap is just a lot of people don't understand how money works. There are so many books, radio shows, T V shows that are written for professionals or they're they're written more to make the other person seem smart versus to really educate people. And I want to educate people. I don't wanna talk over people's head, you know, I don't wanna, you know, just make myself sound smart. I want somebody to listen to a show or a segment or, or a clip of a show and say, Oh, I feel smarter, right? And then that takes them down the journey of having the confidence to continue to learn about money, business investing, so that they can build Wealth and be part of the American dream, and so you know that's that's why I do what I do. I want to help more people realize the American dream. There, there's no, in my opinion, there's no conspiracy to hold people down at at a massive level. Sure, there's individuals who want to hold people down, but at a massive, I think the big, the big one of the big reasons that people are getting left behind is education. And I won't go into the education system, but I'm going to do my part on like the financial education understanding business investing and all those things that incorporate helping to build wealth so that's that's why I feel like I'm a future maker and what I'm here to do so let's see we'll see we'll we'll see if I can make that into a 30 30 to 60 second clip and I'm gonna post that and get it out there for this AT&T contest when I share it, y'all make sure y'all share it and tag at and on it so they can see it. All right, let's get to the show. So on February 6th, on my Facebook page, I posted something that was my thoughts on why Bitcoin is a great technology for closing the wealth gap. And so I'm not going to repeat it. You can go check it out on my Facebook page. And it's I believe it's, a, it's an open post, so you don't have to be a friend or follow me. You can just go to Philip Washington Facebook page and read it. And what I wanted to follow up is just do some q a around bitcoin right because uh, i've I've done episodes around the big picture stuff now i want to like answer like one-on-one questions that i've uh answered um, about bitcoin so we'll go straight into that here's the first question
0: philip is bitcoin a company
1: and that's actually like a really good question because cryptocurrency and bitcoin is like something that's that's just a new type of structure for assets so you know before the first joint stock company that was established, I believe in the Netherlands somewhere around the sixteen hundreds you know people just invested in currencies, real estate, and bonds. There was no stock, so it was tough to explain like what a stock was at that point in time and so now you have these new asset classes, which are cryptocurrencies, and specifically we're talking about Bitcoin, where it's not a it's not a company, right? Bitcoin is a protocol. What is a protocol? It's like a system of rules that governs uh, Affair. So think of it kind of like the, the U.S. the United States of America. We operate our society based on a constitution, uh, a written set of ways that we're going to govern the lives of Americans. Bitcoin is a you know protocol of, of of software, and it governs the rules of how much money is created, how can there be more money created if it's created, when is the money released? So it's a it's a it's a protocol, a set of rules that individuals can choose to opt-in and become part of that protocol and use it or not and that is one of the coolest part about about bitcoin is the in my opinion the reason why america became such a great society was before america everything was centralized and let's speak let's speak specifically of britain right because that's you know a lot of folks came from britain where there's a king centralized power you know they just taxed the peasants you know for the for the land you have to Lords, land, the, the 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 lords and the dukes and the kings and and if you if you watch Bridgerton, then you've kind of seen how all that Bridgerton is, is a Netflix show that my wife made me watch. Apparently, every woman in America has watched that show because they love the Duke. Steve's looking at me crazy. Steve, yeah, your your wife would love Bridgerton. Yeah, watch it with her. It's it's pretty good too. It's not it's not action, but it's just a good story. But um, in America was saying, okay, we want decentralized power. We want power in the hands of the people. And I know you might look back and say, yeah, right, America doesn't have hands of the people. But at the time, right, it's all relative. At the time, America was more decentralized than most of the rest of the world. And so when you look at history, the world continues to go more and more decentralized. It it ebbs and flows back and forth. But overall, we're moving to there's more power in the hands of people as a society, as a people, as a human race. And that's so Bitcoin is not a not a company it's a protocol. And let me backtrack again before I go to the next question because I thought about it. Somebody might say, "Well, so protocol like what does that even mean? If 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 you if you if you know what open source software is where somebody creates a software but they open it up for the community to 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 use it and iterate on it. That's it's not exactly like Bitcoin but it's similar. So there's not there's not like a Bitcoin Inc. That tells people what to do. They they wrote the rules. We all follow the rules, and anybody can use the software, following the rules. And the rules can be manipulated only if you follow the rules that allows it to be inip- manipulated. And that's the that's the best way to explain it. It's it's out there. We can all go to it and use it. And there's no centralized. Threat. I think that's the most important part. Now I can go on. Is
0: Bitcoin illegal or should it be?
1: I don't believe that. No, Bitcoin is not illegal, right? Because Bitcoin is just software and math. You can't make math illegal. Software is not illegal last last I checked. And the question of shouldn't it be Ill- illegal and, and typically that's that's asked because it's it's you know a lot of the people in power that are afraid of Bitcoin because it challenges their power, they talk about it being used for illicit and illegal purposes. Well, it means the the biggest <laughs> the biggest currency that's used for illicit purposes is a dollar. I mean, you know, crimin- <laughs> criminals forever have been using the dollar and paper money for illicit purposes. So so just because something is used doesn't mean that it's bad in itself. So it's kind of like saying is a car should a car be illegal? I mean, yeah, you can run a car into somebody's yard anytime you want, but the car is not the problem. It, it's it's the people and so I don't think Bitcoin should should be illegal. The people that want it to be illegal are the people that you know, want to continue to have centralized power. And that's normal. That's normal in society. We'll get to the history of that in another question. But no, it's not illegal because it's software and math. And I don't think it should be illegal. Next question. Philip, can anyone create their own currency? Technically, you can. Like if you wanted to recreate Bitcoin, since it's software and math, there there are no rules around doing that currently. But here's the problem. I don't know. Something's only worth something if other people want to use and accept it. And and that comes from trust, right? Because ultimately money is trust. If you you look back over thousands of years, money has been a lot of different things. Money has been seashells. Money has been paper. You know, money has been been gold. Money has been cigarettes in jail. Money has been, you know, lots of things to lots of different societies. But ultimately, it boils down to trust. And typically, it also boils down to scarcity of whatever they're using. It, you need something that's scarce, and you need something that people are going to uh, trust that will hold its value over time. And so if you create, and you want to have the network effect of having a lot of people you know, buy into it. If a lot of people buy into it, it becomes more powerful. The reason why the dollar hasn't just gone down in flames, even though people are upset with what they're doing with it is because some people use dollar in, in, in business. You know, to just change that is tough. I like to use the example of Facebook. None of us really like Facebook, if we're honest with ourselves. Like, As a matter of fact, a lot of us slightly dislike Facebook a lot. But where else are we going to go to stay in contact with our family, friends, people we haven't talked to in a while? It's, it's the best place to go to, to do that. And so we don't, you know, everybody have to get off Facebook and go somewhere else. And, you know, that, that's tough to recreate that network effect. And so money is, is very similar. And that's why it'll be really hard for you to create your own money and be successful at it. Here's one more thing about money I think is important. And I think the people that want to kill Bitcoin or, or want it to be illegal just doesn't understand that money doesn't care how you feel. It flows to where it's treated the best, always, throughout history, forever. It's just a law of nature that it's going to go where it's treated best. Money doesn't money doesn't like to be manipulated. It doesn't like to be used for political power and protection. And whenever it has a better place to flow, that's going to be more free, more open, you know, more subject to meritocracy versus the, you know, centralized aristocracy. If that's, the, if that's the if that's the right word, I'm a math guy, not a word guy. but it'll almost it always goes that way. And so even though they want to fight it, they can't they're not gonna be able to fight it because that's just the law of money. and you can't fight natural laws. It's like gravity. You're not gonna be able to fight gravity. All right, next question is having a digital wallet risky? I mean, I would say having a physical wallet is risky too. <laughs> because if somebody wants a physical wallet, they have to physically take it from you. And that could cost you your life or a few teeth. Or if somebody run up on me, it's going to cost them a few teeth because I know I'm Muay Thai. But just like just like our physical wallet, like we've learned to make sure we secure it, right? Make sure you don't leave your physical wallet out in the car when you go in somewhere. You lock it up somewhere safe. Um, make sure when you have it on, you, you're, you're checking to make sure you don't leave it somewhere. You know, we might carry protection when we're out to make sure if we do get robbed, we got a way to protect ourselves, but nothing. There's no way to guarantee protection of everything. It's just a risk that we that we take because other people, a small amount of people, are going to want you know what we have. But there's same way. There's other ways to securely protect your money in the in the, in the digital world, right? The cool part about the digital world, though, is if wants to steal your, if a hacker wants to steal your wallet, they don't got to beat you up to do it. You know, so they just take your money. And uh, I'm like, cool. I'm you know, if, if they're going to take my money and not to beat me up, uh, you know, I kind of prefer that. You know, that route, but but it's the same thing. It's just different, right? I think people, in general, all of us don't naturally love change, and so. But the world is changing. Things are going digital. A lot of stuff is being done digital, and so we have to just learn to. All right, how do we protect our money? You know, digitally, and what ends up happening is the the cool thing about just human beings is same same way as money flows to its where treated the best you know, criminals go to where it's easiest to to steal from. And so in the digital world, I I, I give one example. A lot of people will hold their their cryptocurrencies on an exchange. What what hackers know is the majority of the money out there that's to be hacked is on the exchange. So when you hear about money, you know, crypto getting stolen, it's typically from exchanges because people leave it on the exchange and it's where all the hackers are. Versus if you pull it off the exchange and just put it on your phone, which is not as secure as having it off the internet completely, then that significantly reduces your risk of, of your money being stolen because you'd have to have a hacker target you specifically for some reason and that's you know, and the risk reward of that for a hacker is low because you may not it takes a lot of time, you may not have that much money. They don't even know who you are, but but you know, and then there's taking it off, you know, the internet completely. And then there's multi-sig and all these things. But these are, these are things that you just have to learn, right? You got to learn self-defense. You got to learn how to carry a gun, you, you know, or learn how to secure, you know, check your wallet or put it up, right? You just, you're, you're going to have to learn it. And it's just part of the deal. So, yeah, it's, it's no less risky than having a physical wallet. Next question. Philip, how much should I put into Bitcoin? This is not a recommendation, but let's, I just want to explain how to think through it, right? So- and I want to use this, uh, an analogy, and I've used this analogy multiple times before, but you can see it's very versatile. So in the Bible, there's a story of this king who had three three people who worked for him. And he said, look, I'm going to give you some money, and I'm, and I'm changing the story up for, for you Christians out there who have read the story of the talents. But it's three people out, it's, he had three workers out there that worked for him, and he said, hey, look, I'm going on a trip, but I'm going to leave you all some money. And when I get back, I want you to look, tell me tell me what you did with the money. So the first one he gave a hundred thousand dollars to and he left he left and the second one he gave fifty grand to and the third one he only gave a thousand bucks to. Right. So the first one got a hundred, second one got fifty, and the third one got a thousand bucks. And so he left for like five years and then he came back and said, All right, what'd you do with my money? The first one took the hundred, turns it into two hundred because he invested it wisely. The second one took the fifty grand, turns it into a hundred grand because he invested it wisely, the third one, we'll get to the third one. But let's go. Let's go to what he said on the first two. First one, he's like, "Hey, good job. I appreciate you. Let me promote you. You know, let's take this two hundred. I'm gonna add another two hundred. Now you got four hundred. Go take care of that for me." The second one, he was like, "Hey, you took my money. You doubled it. Just go ahead and hold the two hundred. I'm gonna give you another two hundred. Go ahead and and take care of that." The third one, this is this is this is what the third one did. He was like, "Hey, you gave them." a lot more than what you gave me you only gave me a thousand and so since i didn't want to lose it cuz you're going to be mad at me i just took it in barity so here's a thousand bucks back and he said hey you could at least put it in the bank and earn a little bit of interest you're fired and fired him took the money and found somebody else now now here's the moral of the story right everybody got rewarded in accordance to the level of faith right and 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 the what's going on behind the scenes people be like oh man you know the The person that had that had a hundred thousand, yeah, he got more. He started with a hundred, right? There's a couple ways you can look at it. First way is, yeah, life isn't fair. People start off with different advantages than others, right? Second way, we don't know where they all started, right? The person that had a hundred could start out with a thousand, and over time had worked his way up through doing that over and over again to be trusted with a hundred thousand, right? So if you look at it in that context, you know, through putting in work, his level of Faith and trust got bigger enough to be able to trust with that amount of money. Here's where I'm going with Bitcoin. Hold the amount of Bitcoin that you feel, you know, that you have faith in. And I don't want to talk, I don't want to say blind faith. So don't listen to my podcast and say, oh, Philip said it's good. I'm going to go put a bunch of money in because I have faith in Philip. No, 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 no. I'm saying understand the investment, and this applies to any investment, well enough to where you're confident in your own decision making process. Like you've done the work, like not the guesswork. You've done the actual work to give yourself conviction to have some level of confidence, right? So if your level of confidence in Bitcoin is like you're like, okay, cool. I'm like, I'm 1% confident it'll go up a lot. Okay, and put 1%. You know, if because if you if it doesn't, if it goes to zero, you lose 1%, not a big deal. But if it goes up a lot, you can make a lot, right? Put if one percent of what you have is a thousand bucks, and Bitcoin does really well, maybe you have ten thousand or a hundred thousand in the future. You know, that's you know that's good. If it goes to zero, you have zero. If you're saying, hey man, I'm I'm twenty percent confident that Bitcoin will do well, do twenty percent. Here here's one thing you want to do though. You, you want to have some, some risk management for human error. So some people might say, well, I'm 100% confident. I don't think anybody should ever be 100% confident in anything because nothing's guaranteed. But I think you ought to have some sort of cap where you say, all right, even if I'm 90% confident, I'm never going to put more than 30% of, of my money into one idea or 20% or whatever the number is, but have like a reasonable cap because you might be wrong and you don't want to bet the farm on one idea ever in my opinion. But put the money in according to your level of faith, because you know when the reward comes, you're gonna be you're gonna be rewarded in the amount of faith that you had in it. But again, I can't reiterate more. It's not blind faith. Do the work. It requires a lot of work. And by the way, you heard about my, you heard about the concept I stole from from Warren Buffett, the one foot hurdle principle. Like everybody's gonna get a one foot hurdle, right? Mine because I'm a finance major. You know, I've been in finance forever. I understand the financial system plumbing, you know, at an above-average level. Like, you know, once I did the work on cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, this was like, this was like my one-foot hurdle. And we might all get one if we're lucky, or or we we, we all are probably gonna get one one-foot hurdle in our lifetime. Two if we're lucky, where it just like you do the work and you're like, oh, I fully understand this because of my training, right? Mine might be Bitcoin. Yours might be, oh, you're a doctor and you see how, you know, this new technology is going to change healthcare and in, and in, and in, and in, in, in you're early. But, you know, if, if, if Bitcoin is not your one foot hurdle where it just like really hits you in the target, then, you know, I wouldn't bet as big. And it's okay to not bet at all and just wait for your, you know, wait for your one-foot hurdle. So, but that's that's how much you should put in. Put in as much as you feel in accordance to your level of faith. Next question.
0: Philip, am I funding terrorists? This kind of goes back
1: to the illegal, illegal question because, like, countries, you know, dollars fund terrorists. Other, other countries, you know, paper fund terrorists. A, a really good book that I recommend everybody to read is a book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and that book will really change your thoughts on, you know, the whole good guy, bad guy concept of countries, right? Because we grow up thinking, oh, U.S. is a good guy, and these other countries who we're at war with are are bad guys and girls, and it's, it's not it's not that simple. Yeah, there are good and evil people, right? But there's I don't believe there's good and evil countries, right? Because that's a lot of people, and. Just like there's a lot of people who are pissed at the U.S. for stuff that we've done that you and I don't even know. We, you know, the U.S. has done some stuff to other countries and people that you and I don't even know about it. And so, if they were to hate every American and think every American is bad, you're like, well, we didn't even know about it. We don't even know, like we did know that happened. Like we we're just as mad as you are when we find out. And, and so, s- same thing with other other countries. And so, just because some government labels some other person a terrorist maybe they are maybe they're not but it's a lot of times it's political it's not straight black and white you know and so reading that book i think will open your eyes to saying hey let me before i you know label a group uh, a country or group of folks a bad guy let me do let me do the work but don't get me wrong like i'm american and so if we have to you know def- defend ourselves and it's what we got to do you know i'm i'm back in america but i'm also not disillusioned to say oh you know they're bad guys it comes down to hey this is just you know our interests versus somebody else's interest i wish it wasn't that way right i wish we can all live in peace i wish we didn't have these political leaders who were hungry for power and money that's the world that we live in but just just know that you know is bitcoin used to get around sanctions um, and all that kind of stuff, mm, yeah, you know, but there's a whole lot, they're using a whole lot more regular paper money and dollars than Bitcoin to do that. Again, the car is not the weapon. The person driving the car is the weapon, and we shouldn't stop, we shouldn't stop making cars and planes because terrorists use them to use, do their nefarious acts. Again, this is just another argument that the people in power use to scare people, so that they can maintain their decentralized or their centralized power.
0: All right, next question. Hey, Philip, I don't have forty thousand dollars. How can I buy Bitcoin?
1: This actually is a is a is a a good question because people people do it in the stock market as well. They'll say something like, "Oh, Philip, I can't buy Amazon. It's two thousand dollars a share." And and I'll say, "Well, Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, something like three hundred thousand a share." What's, what's important is not what the price per share is, or meaning they'll, they'll imply that a $5 stock is a better investment than a $2,000 stock. I'm like, no, nah, it matters how how many multiples your money goes up over the next whatever, over whatever period of time you're investing, right? So meaning, you know, if if, if Amazon at $2,000 a share goes up 10 times over the next 10 years, and this $5 per share stock goes up two times over the next 10 years, then Amazon's a better buy. You know what 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 matters is like the overall business value and how much your money is expected to grow over time, not the price per share. Bitcoin is similar, and the cool feature of Bitcoin, since we're talking about Bitcoin, is yeah, one Bitcoin costs forty thousand dollars. But there for every Bitcoin, there's a hundred million Satoshis. And so, meaning you can put in fifty bucks and it's gonna buy you so many Satoshis. Which is a fraction of a bitcoin, and so think of it like pennies, right? Or you know, pennies, quarters—they're they're divisible dollars. The satoshis are the smaller units of of a bitcoin that allows people without forty thousand dollars to to buy it. And so that's my two cents on that. Here's here's one thought that I'm gonna follow up on. Well, let, me, let me let me let me before I go there, let me let me let me let me answer one more question. How to buy it? Yeah, how to buy Bitcoin? How do I buy Bitcoin? So there's a couple of different ways, right? So you can you can go on a, on a crypto exchange and buy it, and then take it off exchange, like I mentioned, and secure it in, in the way that you think is best based on your based on your research. And there's lots of exchanges you can do it. Even even Cash App allows you to buy Bitcoin as well. What you want to watch out for is, you know, like if you go to somewhere like Robinhood or PayPal. They'll let you buy Bitcoin, but you can't pull it off. You can't pull it off their platform, and so if it's important for you to pull it off your platform, you know those, you know places like that may not be good places to, to to buy it. PayPal is doing something different than what a crypto exchange is doing, and Robinhood has their reasons. I guess I don't. Robinhood is just I don't know what they're doing, but beware of that. But that's one that's one route. You can also just there's other products that are that are coming out that are Bitcoin trusts. Which is basically trust. Which is a fund that owns a trust that allows you to, you know, own part of the trust, and then since the trust owns Bitcoin, you own a portion of the Bitcoin. So Grayscale's, you know, one of the ones that, you know, I personally own. My firm has investments for other client portfolios in as well. It's a way to get exposure to Bitcoin. Right. Downside to the trust is. It, it 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 can sell at a premium or a discount to the real price of bitcoin meaning if the bitcoin price is x the value of the bitcoin in the trust might be x plus 20% because it's a premium for for buying the trust that's good or bad right it's is is negative from a value standpoint but but crazy part is sometimes it can it can mean you can overshoot the return of what bitcoin actually did or undershoot right? But I think the the bigger picture is just understand what you own. There's no other simpler way to own it outside of physically owning it than the trust at the moment, but there eventually will be, I, I believe, and there's talks of it, Bitcoin ETFs, exchange-traded funds that will not have that premium, and those are coming. But that's another way to own it, where you don't have to worry about custody or security, right? You can own it, participate in the upside, and and the premium, you know, like I'm willing to deal with it because the price moves of Bitcoin are significantly more than the premiums, right, over the time period that I'm investing in it for. So those are those are a couple of ways to to buy it exchanges or these trusts that are out there. And eventually, hopefully we'll have some ETFs that eliminate that premium um, out there. So here's history, right? And I'm calling it old people eventually lose. And, and let me clarify. I'm going to eventually be old. I'm fully, fully aware that I'm actually old to my frat brothers who are at college right now because they call me old school when I come around. It kind of hurts my feelings, so I'm old. I'm old to them, and we all, like, we all are old relative to my to my kids. I'm old. My, my side note: I can't remember if yeah, that's my oldest son. He was like, "What? How did he refer to?" When we were born, he was like, yeah, because y'all were born in the 1900s. And I was like, damn, that sounds so old. <laughs> we were born in the 1900s. I was like, man, sweet. Yeah, I guess he's born in 2010, you know. So 1900s is a long time, a long time ago for him. But but the point is, when I say old oh, people eventually lose, it's it's the whole analogy of the lion in the wild that I keep saying over and over again. The young line eventually takes the pride. It's just it's just the circle of life, you know. The the incumbents, the people that are in power, want to protect their power, and the people that are young and hungry and want to do, and want to update the world with the new technology. Since the older people won't move aside, it's not in this as humans to do. They eventually get moved aside, right? So you can look at it with. I wrote down some examples of old people losing, right? And I can I could have done this for like hours, but I look at. Rock and roll, right? You know, which, which by the way, before rock and roll, it was like the blues, right? Which I like to always point out that rock and roll was stolen from the blues. Um, But you have, you know, the blues, rock and roll, hip hop, right? I've been watching this Netflix documentary called "The History of Curse Words," and I didn't know this. I didn't know that the parental advisory label warning came from conservatives in the '80s that were trying to silence black culture right? They, you know, b- rap and hip hop was saying things that they didn't like, <laughs> you know, kind of like right now. And they wanted to silence us. So they, so they figured out a way to put these parental advisory stickers on, on, on albums, which made kids want to buy it. Right. Cause I know when I was a kid, I was like, I don't want to buy like the bleeped out version. I want to buy the one with the little sticker on it. Cause then it's official. <laughs> and they don't realize that they made even more people listen to it. But you know, that's again, old people trying to stop the the, the the new stuff right so and, and hip-hop is is the rock and roll today like you know rock and roll was to boomers as as hip-hop is to millennials right like regardless of race you know color like everybody listens to hip-hop Re- really every country has hip-hop now we look at slavery right slavery is an old school version of old people losing there was an incumbent way of how business was done and and fla- slavery was not unique to just america like slavery was Done around the world, you know. We have our ugly history of it, but slavery became a bad thing. It was accepted around the world. It became a bad thing. The old way of doing it lose, lost. Jim Crow, right? The, the, those those laws got beat. Horse and buggy owners, they were pissed at Henry Ford. <laughs> you know what I mean? They lost. Uh, TV, t, you know, TV stations, the the three stations that that controlled everything, they lost to cable first then eventually internet, and they haven't completely gone away, but their dominance in the media business like, is, like, look at the value of Facebook versus, you know, the traditional media companies. I talked before about America versus versus Britain. You know, Britain was the incumbent, and they wanted to hold us down and tax us without representation. We saw how that ended. Tea Party, and the other part was Spanish, right? Before, before Britain, Spain was the you know, leader of the world because they were stealing gold from South America and America and the, the Buccaneers, right? Here's a cool, I, I just love history, right? So Tampa Bay Buccaneers just won. People don't realize what the Buccaneers were and the whole pirates, you know, the whole pirate fantasy that we have. Well, pirates were basically like contracted by the English government to go steal gold from Spanish ships, right? So Britain got their come up, robbing Spain, you know, they—it's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I can mean, I keep going, but I think I think you get the you get the point, right? O- over time, like things happen, and 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 that's that's the part that gives me a lot of conviction. Is I'm not saying it won't it won't be ugly in the process, right? The the in all these examples, you can see that the incumbents did some really ugly, nasty things to try to prevent progress, but you can't prevent progress. Progress is going to happen, and you're going to be part of it. Or you're gonna get steamrolled, but it's gonna happen, right? It's, it's 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 going to happen, and so uh, we just don't know the the time frame. But I am excited to see that you have, like, U.S. Bank announced this week that they're gonna start custodying crypto assets. Right? You have all these big institutions that are that are part of the establishment, but they're smart. They must be they they must read history. They must be like, oh yeah, we're gonna eventually lose. So let's just become part of the, you know, let's become part of it. Matter of fact. Andrew Carnegie said a quote um, that I didn't understand. I read it 10, 15 years ago. And he said, this is when he was 65, he said, I only do business with 35. I only only start new business with 35-year-olds. And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what? Because I was like 21 or something, or 22. And I realized, oh, yeah, you know, when you're in your mid-30s, you've had a lot of experience. And you have the ideas for how to overthrow the system. And you're going to do it. You just don't have as much money as you need. And so he's like, hey, if I, they're going to do it anyway because he used to be the 35-year-old. So if he provided the money, he became part of the um, new establishment, old establishment and new establishment. And that's the best win-win, right? So I think, you know, I, I, I hope that when I'm considered old in the business term that I can find some good 35-year-olds that won't slip my throat on the way to the top and be like, hey, look, I'm part of your team. Here's a peace offer and here's a few million bucks. Let me, let me be part of the team. Don't don't take me out too. But yeah, that is Bitcoin. I'm trying to think if there are any other questions that people have thought about. Steve, can you think of anything that people want to know about Bitcoin? No? I covered all the major points. Those of you who haven't been there, my website, go to StonehillWealthManagement.com. Click on the 401k tab. We got a Stonehill 401k service that you've probably heard about. It's great for businesses that are small businesses, businesses between zero and maybe 150 employees. Uh, we provide love and service to the employees about how to plan and invest for retirement and a whole host of other uh, benefits that we give. It's all on the site. Check it out, Stonehill401k.com. We create startup plans and help with selecting the investments and in educating and advising our clients on how to invest and how to best reach their retirement goals. All righty. Well, y'all stay stay warm, stay safe still praying for those families that piled up in fort worth that was that was pretty crazy That could have been any one of us that's right down the street from from where i live and so i pray for those families i pray for everybody's safety over the weekend punks tiny phil i'm angry at you i thought we were getting ready for springtime and then you decided to give us advance warning that it was not time yet so come out soon when is he gonna come out again are we are we gonna check him again like in a couple of weeks just once a year so we got six more weeks. Sweet Jesus. Well, y'all enjoy y'all's weekend.
0: If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to stonehillwealthmanagement.com forward slash talk. That's stonehillwealthmanagement.com forward slash talk.